Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. Here you will find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions. We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome back for another episode of FF+. Plus. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and here with me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Patch. Hey, everyone. How you doing tonight, man? Are you in a good mood? I am pretty pretty good mood, yeah. I'm pretty good. That high pitch kind of has me worried. It sounds uh, like you're about to crack there. Like, I'm, so I'm about to cry. Don't ask me questions like that again. You're on the edge. He's about to break. <laughs> No, it's good. I'm I'm doing good, man. Well, good. I I gotta apologize because I'm on a bit of a high. I am in a fantastic mood. I'm doing great. Just from an entertainment standpoint, things are clicking in the movie world. Watched the way way back again this evening, prepping for our next main episode uh, this weekend, and just falling in love with it all over again. Put me in such a great place. And then there's been amazing announcements today, and I'm excited about this video game conversation we're going to have. So I, I apologize now if I'm just kind of bouncy all over the place tonight because it comes from a place of excitement and happiness and joy. Never apologize for stuff like that. All right. Well, let's get right started with something that is joyful, and that is we are going to announce the winner of our contest for a digital 4K code of Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We reviewed this on, I think, the last FF Plus episode we did, so two weeks ago. We did. So. Yeah. And we talked about it there. If you're interested in hearing what we had to think, we both really enjoy the movie. We recommend it, and we're excited to be able to do this giveaway. So for the contest, what we did is we asked folks to go and leave us a review on their platform of choice and send us a picture of that review to be entered. We did that, and then what I did is... I've wanted to be amused. And so I put random numbers into a poll in the podcast uh, Facebook group this morning. Just literally the options were one, two, three, four, et cetera. And I had people vote on their favorite number. And what was fun about this is many of the folks that were in this contest were in the Facebook group. So they're voting on a number, but they don't know what the number corresponds to. So they are likely voting against themselves. There's a four in five chance that they would not vote for themselves or, or better. So that was pretty fun. I enjoyed that all day long watching it. I know nobody else probably had any idea what it was about, but you know what? Gave me a, a good little laugh. With that being said, the poll ended up in a tie, which of course it did, right? Patrick, of course it did. And so I called in uh, my roommate, Kevin, who is also in the Facebook group. And asked him to pick one of the two tied numbers so we could have a winner. Kevin couldn't just be responsible for it and pick himself. He went and got a coin. And so we ended up flipping a coin and we ended up coming out with our winner. And that winner is a review from someone who goes by the Yugalizer. Now, I don't know if that's how I say this. I don't know who that person is. So it's probably someone in the group. Hopefully it is. If you're listening to this, Yugalizer, you are the winner. You need to contact me somehow, Aaron, and I will get you your code as soon as possible. I do want to read his review because it made me feel good. He called it Easy 5-Star Recommend. We didn't ask for 5-Star reviews, but we'll take them. 
He said, I've been riding with these guys for a while now, so I figured I'd give a fresh updated review. In a market that is flooded with different podcasts about film, Feelin' Film is a definite standout. Where a lot of podcasts get bogged down in nitpicks and negativity-fueled rants, Aaron and Patrick stand apart with their honest discussion that is definitely more positive. Every episode has a connecting point, a point of discussion that each host connected the most to a film with. Because, as they say, every movie makes us feel something. In a world that sometimes feels a little too sour these days, it's just nice to have a little more positivity in your ear. And if you join their Facebook group, there are a ton of really great discussions being had there as well. Don't sleep on this podcast. That made me feel really good. Patrick, I'm sure it did you as well. He's giving me two thumbs up right now because his yes, mute button's on. No, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And I mean, yes, I I get that we ask for reviews, but we don't ask for what those reviews say. So to get people to actually write something down and to get something out there in the ether, one, it's encouraging to us as uh, a couple of podcasters who, you know, two, three years ago weren't doing this and constantly amazes us that we're having that kind of impact. But knowing that we have that kind of interaction with the listeners, with the Facebook group and other means and giveaways like this, I think it puts an immense value on you guys who listen to the show because yes, we probably have these conversations regardless, but having you guys listening to it, having you as listeners makes it so much more fun to do. It makes it worth prepping for. It makes us worth having the editing that Aaron and I loves to do every week. And I think it just, I think it's a mutual joy that, he and I feel, and we hope that you guys are feeling that too. Yeah, that it was really validating for me that he pointed out, or she actually, I guess I don't know, pointed out the exact things that we aim for. That made me feel good because that person is receiving the podcast in the exact way that we intend the podcast to be received. And so I feel like that means we're doing a pretty good job, or at least somebody out there is enjoying it. And if it's just one person, it's fine because we'll make the podcast just for you. So thank you, Ugalizer, for the review. I'm excited to get you your code and find out what you think of the movie. All right, Patrick, it is review time. We've got three reviews on deck this week, and then we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about video games and maybe some video game movie news as well. When we get to that part, I'll remind everybody again, and if you feel the need to check out, you can check out. And if not, keep listening. So the first movie we're going to talk about is Dark Phoenix. This is the final film in the X-Men franchise from Fox. Now, they do have another movie coming out next year, supposedly, The New Mutants. It's going to have a bit of a horror spin on it. It's not X-Men proper, though, and frankly, who knows if that movie's ever going to actually see the light of day. Like Dark Phoenix, it experienced a lot of production problems and date changes and such. But now that Disney's taking over, that makes this the final X-Men film for Fox in their franchise. And I guess the end of the new X-Men trilogy that would be first class. I guess it's not. It's a quadrilogy. First class, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah, and now Dark Phoenix, which is the second time we're getting uh, the Phoenix saga told to us in live action form. And I, I got to tell you, it sucks. Um, I don't want to beat around the bush with this, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. It's not a great movie. There are signs that are shown before we get screened, or before the movie gets screened for critics. Things like learning you can't 
All right, you can bring guests, but there aren't going to be any public there. They're, they're not showing the movie in advance to anybody who's not an actual member of the press. That's a bad sign. <laughs> Doesn't show very much confidence. Things like an embargo that lifts on the movie reviews at 1 a.m. Eastern in the middle of the night when people are asleep. That's a bad sign. And, you know, the problem with this movie is that it's boring. Patrick, it's not awful in a way that upset me or angered me, really. It just did nothing for me. And there are so many elements of the way that they chose to tell this Dark Phoenix story with a heavy feminism slant to it specifically that have been done already in a superhero movie just this year and been done a lot better. And that really presented a problem for this film because I can imagine the movie makers sitting in a room watching a certain other movie from this year and saying to themselves, we're screwed. Like, what are we going to do? Come to find out they did. They had to change their third act. And you can tell it became a crazy CGI fest of just exploding metal all around. And it's very incoherent. The action is hit or miss. There are some good moments in there with the mutant powers being slung around. The highlight of the film is probably Hans Zimmer's score to me. I was shocked to find out that he was doing the score, and he does a great job. But this is probably the first movie I've ever seen from Hans Zimmer where his music did not evoke emotion in me. And it's because the acting in this film was extremely just wooden and, for the most part, not good. At all, especially from the lead. I'm just not a Sophie Turner fan. I've learned. I don't see a lot of range in her. And so when she's my main character and she's dealing with this inner struggle, this movie is about her having this power within her and trying to find her place and understand who she is. That's a big question that's asked. I didn't connect with her emotionally. And that is tough when she is the protagonist. So uh, Magneto does some good stuff. James McAvoy as Professor X has some moments. Nicholas Holt as a beast has some good moments and scenes. But for the most part, this movie was very boring. And it's feminism story, which actually makes a lot of sense in the context of the Phoenix saga. It was done so poorly, so executed so badly, just in the way that it was on the nose, the words that were used, the delivery of some of the zingers, they just drew attention to themselves instead of flowing in the narrative in a way that felt natural. And ultimately, this is a movie I will not watch again. And it signals the end of an era, um, X-Men on Fox. And I'm, it leaves me excited to see what Disney can do with them and hopeful yeah. it'll be better. Yeah. I, I, in reading your review and listening to Don and just some of the other chats that, that have been going around about the movie, I think that there's a, there was a lot going on against the movie. First of all, the Dark Phoenix saga, I think, was a multi-year comic book run. So to try to fit that in two hours plus, you're, you're going to be at a disadvantage anyway. Secondly, you had a predecessor like Apocalypse that did not live up to the expectations because Days of Future Past is probably your best X-Men movie in this entire franchise with X2 being a close second. 
uh, subjectively speaking, but I think a lot of people might agree with that. I do. And I think that you're just, you're, there's just so much about it that seemed to be like, yep, it's got this against it and that against it, that you kind of expected the expectations to be kind of low, but it's always disappointing because you kind of grown to love these characters. I think first class really kind of gave us some real optimism that we're on a new path. And then days of future past did something so incredible with essentially bringing in the original X trilogy and fixing, and I put in air quotes, fixing what we as an audience knew was wrong. And it just seemed sad that Apocalypse and now Dark Phoenix ended the way they did in terms of just finishing up the franchise on a low note. Wow. You've got like a thunderstorm going on there. I do. I'm going to, I'm going to edit that out maybe or might not. So listeners, if you hear that, sorry, can't deal with the weather. We, we unfortunately are not storm. We do not have storm like powers and cannot control the weather. (laughs) The other thing I just real quick will say that's unfortunate about both Dark Phoenix and Apocalypse is they wasted a list actor talent in their antagonist roles. So Oscar Isaac was make makeup to craziness and costumed in a way that just did not work as Apocalypse and not used to the best of his potential. Jessica Chastain, likewise, in this film is completely and utterly wasted. It's painful to watch her have to put off, pull off this role, honestly. And it disappointed me big time because I was like, there's so much more that you are capable of and could bring as a antagonist and a villain. And it's not there. It is just instead they have her play this emotionless character with a stoic look on her face the whole movie. And it's like, man, well, you could have anybody do that. Why'd you get Jessica Chastain and make her blonde? You know, like, come on. I don't know. There's just... There's not a lot good. I can't really recommend it, to be honest. It's perfectly skippable, and that's all I'll say about it. Moving on, the next one I want to talk about is The Secret Life of Pets, Dose. This is a movie that you and I reviewed the first iteration of a couple summers ago. We were both pretty excited about it because we are pet owners, and we love our dogs and our cats, and we thought, man, the concept of what is a life of a pet like behind the scenes? Animated style from Illumination Studios. Sounds really fun. We went and saw this movie called The Secret Life of Pets. And instead, we got a little bit of that in the beginning. And then this big storyline about a cult called the Flushed Pets who would initiate new members via snake bite and were championing the murder of owners and it was just wild and wacky and crazy and a psychotic bunny named Snowball was running the crew and had an alligator for a henchman. It was nuts, okay? It, it was a missed opportunity is what it was. It was. It was a real big missed opportunity, I agree. And we came away from it very disappointed and sad that it didn't meet our expectations. The movie made like $875 million, though. <laughs> so it got a sequel. And we were not too so- stoked about that. Didn't expect much, but I went and saw it anyway, and I came away so, so, so satisfied. They, in my opinion, fixed what was wrong with the first movie. This film, for a good solid two-thirds of it, focuses on what it's like for these pets and watching the world from their point of view, watching them experience things that we can all relate to 
seeing our pets do or thinking about our pets in a certain way and getting their perspective of it. It revolves largely around a new child coming into the home where Max and Duke live and you get to see possibility of like what it might be like for a pet to go through having a new baby in the house and a toddler and what is it like when the kid loves the pet? What is it like when the kid, you know, messes with the pet? Things like that. They end up adventuring to a farm at one point. They meet a new dog voiced by Harrison Ford that is just fantastic. He is such a great addition to the voice cast. They also meet a crazy dog voiced by Tiffany Haddish leads to the more silly plot line of the movie. There's several plot lines. That's probably one of the negative things is it does go a little too scattered. And that final plot line ends up being really over the top and wacky in the final like third kind of climax of the movie, but it doesn't ruin it. The, the movie's first two thirds are truly almost like vignettes of scenes with pets just doing things that were like, Oh, or, oh my gosh. And laughing out loud. I laughed so hard at this movie more than any movie I've seen. In 2019, this is the one that I had the best time with from a humor standpoint. I was literally in tears. I was laughing so hard as I exited the theater, Patrick. I loved it. I will own it. I will watch it dozens of times with my kids again. And it's not perfect by any means, but it is the secret life of pets. It focuses on what those lives may be like and gives us a view into that. And it's just definitely worth your time i think if the first movie could make 875 million and go that far off kind of what its main premise was supposed to be i think this could easily hit a billion fantastic and so would you need to watch the first one in order to enjoy the second one need to no it would be encouraged because character depth is increased and the characters do go through some changes in the first one you do get introduced to them and Getting to see them interact in this one, it was more, it was a, it was a response where I was like, oh, of course that's how Chloe's gonna act. Or, oh, look what this character's doing now instead of what they were doing in the previous movie. So I'd still recommend seeing the first one. I don't think the first one is awful. We, we, we rewatched it recently before seeing the sequel. I mean, it's not great. <laughs> don't get me wrong. If you're on limited time, you can go see the second one and be just fine. Very cool. I would like to recommend a movie that was recommended to me, and this is not quite too old. It's about five years old, and Jeremy Kokara recommended it to me. He is the one next to you, Aaron, that if a movie is recommended by one of you guys, I will probably put it at the top of the list saying, you would like this, then I'm going to probably watch it. And it's a movie that came out in 2013 called The Kings of Summer, and it's written, or excuse me, it was directed by Jordan Vote Roberts of Kong Skull Island fame. He directed that movie. And I think this was his big feature film, like his feature film debut. It's the one that kind of put him on the map as much as a map it, as he can be. But it centers around these three teenage friends in this big ultimate act of independence. They decide to spend their summer building a house in the woods and living off the land. And Jeremy described it to me as essentially stand by me with the flavor of Jordan vote Roberts. <laughs> and so I, I was intrigued because I love stand by me and you know, Kong skull islands fantastic. And so I'm just trying to figure out, okay, <laughs> that <what>? is, <laughs> I'm in my, in my head. I'm like, I just, I'm not connecting those two. You're thinking wackadoo, right? 
and it was really good. I, I really enjoyed this. It feels like an updated version of Stand By Me in a lot of ways. It's these three individuals who, two of which are best friends, one is kind of a, a latecomer to the group, and their motives obviously are are different than those characters in Stand By Me, but it's about this group of guys who are trying to figure out what it means to be independent. They all come from from different backgrounds. They come from families that, well, two of which we know, come from families that are just incredibly difficult uh, to them. You have Joe, the main character. He's part of a single dad family. Uh, his dad is played by Nick Offerman, which is pretty fantastic. He feels really out of place. Nick Offerman's dating a woman who you know, he thinks is probably going to marry, and of course Joe doesn't like that. Um, and then there's Patrick, who has these two overbearing but hilarious parents who feel like, He's still six years old in a lot of ways. He's got a lot of like social, not awkwardness, but it's almost like he's a recluse by his parents' choice, not because he wants to be. And then there's a guy named Biagio, who's this kind of like nerd kid. He he's kind of like squints a little bit. He's got a little daring in him, but he's also kind of kind of a weakling kind of thing. So he's got that kind of flavor to him. Uh, a bit of an outcast, doesn't really fit in kind of the runt. And these three guys, they come together for varying circumstances, two of which because of family issues, and they go and they they build this house. And so you have these really cool montages of them putting together what I think is a pretty impressive house. You know, it's got pieces of lumber that they find from different places. They've got old uh, steel and siding that they find um, in different parts of you know, neighborhoods and stuff like that. But they're trying to live off the land. And what you see are these sequences Kind of like what you mentioned, like vignettes from Secret Life of Pets, Secret Life of Pets too. You had these like sequences of them putting things together and then trying to cook things, but then it doesn't work out. And so at some point, two of the characters end up buying food from a store, but they don't let the third person find out. And so it becomes kind of a running gag. But what I love about the movie more than anything is that you have these moments that are incredibly funny and incredibly sincere at the same time there are some of the best sequences are during a game of monopoly there's like two or three of them and so much is said during these sequences and so much is revealed about these characters because of the way they're playing and stuff like that and so that becomes kind of a part of the movie nick offerman steals every scene that he's in he reminds me a lot of Steve Carell's character in The Way Way Back in terms of his abrasiveness, but he's so blunt with the way he says things. So you've got this guy that you can't help but just think he's a real jerk, but at the same time, you understand why he's that way. And his relationship with Joe is one that um, that I think builds very nicely over the course of the movie because it's equally about their relationship specifically as in as much as it is about the the three individuals there's also a love relationship in there that sometimes works sometimes doesn't um i think if the only criticism i have is that the movie feels like it moves too fast in some places and then kind of drags in others so the pacing is a little bit off for me but if you like coming of age stories if you like the stand by me type things this kind of growing up and trying to figure out what it means to be a man you know with a group of boys in that kind of regard the Kings of Summer is a great recommendation. Uh, I appreciate Jeremy for, for recommending it to me. You can find it on Vudu. You can rent that. 
And uh, yeah, so it's available to stream for you. Awesome. Well, you recommending it is like me recommending something to you and or Jeremy. And so I will definitely want to check that one out. Um, unless that's the one that you bought and I haven't gone to look yet. That is not the one I bought. Okay. Cause I know you told me earlier tonight that there's a movie you bought for us and I still haven't gone to look. I've been, you'll, distracted. you'll, you'll be satisfied with the movie that I bought. Oh, good. Well, yeah. I'm excited. Well, you know what? I'm going to use a segue here because you just said that this movie that you watched, The Kings of Summer, was directed by Jordan Vaught Roberts. And Jordan Vaught Roberts is a big video game fan who is pegged to direct the eventual, and I say eventual because we have no earthly idea when it's actually going to happen, adaptation of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. And so does The Kings of Summer give us any additional idea of how he might adapt a stealth action adventure video game no i don't think so i think his style is more reserved in the kings of summer i think obviously the subject matter helps that but he's described i was i was watching an interview with him and he describes himself as a director who likes to put his characters in interesting situations and film in a way that's very cinematic and so i think that some of the building sequences do that. There's a lot of slow motion and then there's some small pockets of, of kind of surrealness in some ways, if you could call it that, but it doesn't get too far into the whoa factor. Like it does feel really reserved, especially in compared to skull Island where he's got subject matter. That's big and bombastic. I think he understands how to work with his subjects and how to work with his narrative in a way that doesn't detract from what he brings as a filmmaker. Cool. Well, I'm definitely going to have to watch that one and see what I think about it. Um, I, I like him. I loved Skull Island, although I guess that's really not that great of a comparison to this in reality. So like what you like, man. Just yeah. Like what you like. Absolutely. Well, let's move on and we're going to talk some video game. if we've ever done this before on ff plus i don't think so now we've mentioned it a little bit in our now defunct what we've been up to section of that's our right. podcast that's right well little well little background i personally have been a majorly huge gamer for most of my life when we started podcasting i took a bit of a hiatus or i guess i started slowing down frankly that just was a matter of time the time that I used to split between video games and movies was way more swung on the video game side, and then now it has swung extremely to the movie side, and so video games got a lot less of it. I have, in recent weeks, I've been trying to find more of a balance and get back to my gaming a little bit each week. I really enjoy when I can find that balance. It's what I desire the most, and I've just experience some of that this year with stepping back from trying to see every single movie known to man, which for the last couple of years I was trying to do. Um, Patrick, what's your history with gaming? How long have you been gaming? Well, I'm a casual gamer. I fully admit that I'm off and on. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship. And really it has to do with the fact that I don't have gaming friends that I hang out with necessarily. I don't have, I know you have gaming weekends that happen occasionally or have happened uh, more frequently than they do now. I also 
the only time I usually can find to play is after we record. And so my time is usually around 1130 or midnight. Um, you know, FF plus nights are great because we'll probably finish up here in the next 15, 20 minutes and I can, you know, knock out about 30 to 45 minutes. So I, I require a certain amount of sleep, especially if I want to function pretty well the next morning. So it's limited, but I try to be somewhat selective of the games that I play because of that. And I, I have a ton. Like my Steam account just keeps getting bigger and bigger because movie, or excuse me, because games are on the cheap when it comes to that. But I, uh, I try not to get myself too overwhelmed by thinking, man, I've got all these games to play. I don't have all these games to play. I'm playing this game and I'm going to fully enjoy it. It's funny that I have the same problem and yet I have bucket loads more free time than you do. Even within when I say, you know, my choices are between entertainment types for the most part. Whereas, you know, you have a child that lives with you, a young child, um, that you've got to be basically parenting all the way up until his bedtime where I don't have to deal with that every day anymore. I have teenagers who instead are playing the video games with me and keeping me up later than their bedtime. And then I also do get to have some of these video game weekends. And I have friends that I talk to about gaming on a daily basis, just like you and I talk about movies. So I'm always plugged into this world still, even when I'm not having a burst of activity, which I am right now. So this is kind of triggered for me. I recently acquired a PS4 Pro, um, upgraded to that. I hadn't had a PS4 for a year and a half or so, but the PlayStation exclusive games are something that is very important to me. I like story-driven kind of third-person adventure games, and the developer Naughty Dog, who makes The Last of Us and the Uncharted series specifically, those games are exclusive to PlayStation. So not having one was driving me crazy because I couldn't play them, and that's what I wanted to play. So I got this, and I'm excited about that. I have Spider-Man, the game that came out last year. I know that there's a huge amount of buzz around that. It's got a similar combat system to the Batman Arkham games. I don't know if you ever played those, Patrick. I didn't. Didn't? Well, you would love them. They are awesome. The lore in them's great. The way that their combat system works is just, it feels very much weighty. Like you're actually punching and taking punches and it's fluid at the same time. Gives you a lot of options. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and I'm excited to kind of swing around, I guess, New York as Spider-Man at some point soon. But before I go into my rant here, I, not rant, but I have a list of things that I'm just going to run off of what I've been playing and what I'm excited about. I wanted to find out what you have been playing on the lately. Well, I'm a big fan of buying things on the cheap, as I mentioned before. And I was finding my way through Walmart the other day. And this is a bad thing because when you're in Walmart, you pass those really uh, big bins of like discount, whatever. <laughs> Five dollars. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also a, a I'm also a previous gen console user so right now i'm still hanging out on my ps3 which i'm completely content with so haters gonna hate whatever i i do get frustrated with the fact that these games that you mentioned i can't play because they're on the the next gen console but you know if i'm gonna stay a gen behind at some point i will probably end up getting those so we'll have this conversation again in two years when the ps5 comes out and i'll be playing the ps4 versions of these games so i was going through walmart and i saw the discount bin and there was this one that was red indicating a PS3 greatest hits and it yeah. said GTA 5 and I was like oh my goodness so let me tell you about this game it's old obviously because it's a greatest hits it's also on PS3 so 
I'm already 0 for 2 in terms of like, why are you just now playing this game, right? It's still I'm, the most recent GTA game, though. You're right, it is. But, you know, I, first of all, I'm reviewing a movie from like five years ago, and now I'm playing a game from like two or three. So just call me living in the past. Um, but I remember when this game came out, and something that I would do while I was at work is I would get really interested in these YouTubers that would mod the game. And so they would include Iron Man, you know, modding putting him in in uh in Los Santos and all these different things. I just I found the whole concept of the game franchise fascinating. My brother and I played Vice City when it came out and I ended up I think at one point I bought San Andreas on the cheap from uh from from the Steam store. But GTA five set a standard as I was reading about it a couple of years ago when it had come out of creating this incredibly immersive sandbox. I don't know if the previous iterations did this on this level, but I feel like everything that I was reading about it, it did so much. In fact, that you could, you know, you could steal boats and you could fly planes and helicopters and do all these things. Really a true sandbox mentality of being able to just drive around or walk around, go into stores, do these things, you know, obviously release your inhibitions in a number of different ways. It's got plenty of that. And it fascinated me to read that. So when I saw it on sale for that little, I went ahead and picked it up. And I mean, it's every bit as what I expected in all of those regards. It's been, it's been a lot of fun to play. It's very overwhelming at times. I think that it puts me in a place where I'm like, I don't want to get completion status because I just don't think I could do that. But what I like about games like this, sandbox games, uh, I guess you can call them, I don't know if they're, would this be it's open world? Open world. Yeah, yeah, an open world game. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Black Flag is the same way. It's another game I loved playing in that you could participate in a main story or you could take on side quests or side assignments or you could just walk around the city or explore and find out more about this world the the amount of detail that the creators put into los santos easter eggs things that you should look for you should try to find is incredibly impressive and i say that also in conflict because there's a lot about this game that is not okay with me personally and i i have to kind of put that aside and say okay as a game player someone who's experiencing everything about this, there's something pretty amazing about the immersion aspect of it. And I think that's what Grand Theft Auto as a franchise always has going for it, is this sense of putting you in a position to do things that you would normally not be able to do, like steal cars or beat people up. And I think that if we're being honest, that caters to the id part of who we are as individuals, very much like the raw, you know, if I could do that with no consequences, could I could I get away with it? But GTA Five, in particular, what impresses me about it is you're not only controlling multiple characters, but there is a seemingly pretty intricate storyline that's taking place. There's some depth to the characters. Now, I haven't felt the way about these characters that I do about those in The Last of Us, and I think that's by design. There's not too deep of a character study. But there's still a narrative here, and I think that's what pulls me in more than anything else is that I'm not just going around beating people up and stealing cars and, and robbing and doing that kind of stuff, although that's obviously – it's sad when that's what helps you get used to the mechanics is by doing those things. But the fact that there is 
a narrative there. There's that kind of immersion where you can refer to yourself as one of these characters at some point. Um, the UI is not as intuitive as I would like, but it's good. I think the navigation is pretty, uh, pretty on point. It's easy to get used to. And what I also like about games like this is that you can leave, come back a few days later and just pick up right where you left off. You know, it's almost like it puts you on a narrative pause. You don't have to feel like, okay, what was I doing now? The Last of Us, I think, is a little different because the story's so cohesive and so tight that if you haven't played it in a while, you're like, okay, where was I? Oh, yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And it takes you a little bit to get into. I think The Last of Us is better played in long stints as opposed to like GTA or even Assassin's Creed that are more like come back when you have a chance to play and enjoy the time that you have in it. And I thought that's really what I'm doing is I'll get 30 minutes to an hour to to just lock myself into this world and you know, then when I'm ready to go to sleep, I'll just turn the power off and wait till next time. Well, wow, you just did a great job. I mean, we could review video games and get them <laughs> sent to us for free. So with all our free time, we need to start doing that What's as well. Again, free time? I think, wait. <laughs> when still I get waiting, some, I'll let you know. <laughs> still waiting on it, that special invention that will pause time and let us still keep doing things while sure. the clock stops somehow. Well, that's pretty cool, man. Um, I think you bringing up how you approach open world is fascinating because I'm literally the exact opposite. Open world games overwhelm me. The abundance of things to do. I have an obsessive compulsive personality. I have a perfectionist, a completionist personality. And so when there's a million things to do and collect and find and a hundred side quests, I both am very, very excited about that. But I also... I just literally, I start to have a breakdown because I can't do it all or I will lose my place. So in the idea of like an open world a GTA game, I would want to be doing all of these different things and making progress on all of these different things. And maybe I don't play the game for a month and I forget everything that I was doing. And I get really frustrated because when I pick it back up, I have to relearn and try to just figure out where I was and... I can't tell you how many games in the last maybe four or five years I've stopped because of that. I've just learned that I just am not built for this new direction of games. Uh, games largely are going open world, and they're going bigger and more sandboxy in every genre. That's what I love about the Sony specifically exclusives uh, that are like The Last of Us, the Uncharted series, uh, God of War. Uh, the recent re a new version of that is a great example. I just finished playing it and I was borrowing my friend's PS4 because I'd gotten rid of mine. And that was kind of what triggered me getting my own again because I just loved that game. I had so much fun getting back into it. And I've always been a fan of the God of War series. But what I like to do is, and I have the time to do this, is the opposite of what you're talking about. I, I don't play in those 30 minute spurts. I like to put on The Last of Us and in the course of a long weekend or a week and a half where I don't have a lot going on during the weeknights and then a weekend where I don't have my kids, I'll just play the entire game. You know, I'll spend three, four, five, six hour sessions going through it. And I enjoy games like that. And then my short sessions of gaming are more like sports based. I'll play some major league baseball to show. I've been dabbling in the 2019 version of that. I always play NBA 2K every year, I play a lot of that. I have almost 4,000 matches across platforms uh, in Rocket League. I'll I'll play that 
constantly with my son, without my son. Anytime I don't know what to do with myself, I just fire up Rocket League, and then it's like the civilization sickness. One more turn, it's just one more game. I just keep hitting next match, next match, and before you know it, I've played Rocket League for three hours. I'm addicted to that game. I love it so much. Um, and then sometimes I'll do that with one of my favorite games ever, which is Diablo 3 as well, because I can just drop into the world. I've played it on five different platforms, actually. I played it on a Mac, a PC, PS4, Xbox, and a Switch. I've owned it that many times. So I can just drop in, make a character, or pick up my character where I left off and go hack and slash my way to some new loot, and I feel like that progression never gets old. But I, I've also always wanted to go through the Halo games because I'm not a first-person shooter guy for the most part. I don't play those games multiplayer, and my friends are Halo fanatics that I talk to every day. It's their favorite series of console games. So in the last couple weeks, I actually did power my way through a buttload of games. I finished Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Uncharted is probably my favorite narrative game series ever made. It's a phenomenal spinoff to the main series. Every bit is good. Probably the third best game in the series, honestly, and it doesn't even feature Nathan Drake, which is exciting. It's got two female protagonists. They're wonderful. Everything about the game is amazing. Um, that was right after finishing God of War. And then I was like, you know what? I need to get into this Halo thing. So I went through Halo 1 and Halo 2 in the matter of almost like a weekend. Like I said, I, I can get on some binges, man. <laughs> I really can. And they're a lot of fun, too. Um, you can play them remastered now in the MCC collection. So you get like modern day graphics and sound. So it's a lot easier to play them. I can't imagine playing them with the old style, like 2000 graphics. You can actually switch back and forth with a button in real time, constantly. Like, as you're playing, you're walking down the corridor, and you just can go back and forth, hit the button, and the music and the graphics will change to the old school and new school, old school. It's, oh, that's it's cool. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I started Halo 3 tonight. Really good. I'm just, I'm enjoying the story. My friends have always said, as a sci-fi fan, that I would love the series, and they're not wrong. It's an incredible story, and that's what really has me hooked into it. Um, I'm excited because I've rediscovered my love of gaming or not not really rediscovered my love but i've decided to make time for it again be intentional about it kind of like you're trying to do with your gta in your evenings when you can and it's just gotten me super happy e3 is the big gaming con of the year and that is literally this weekend so i'm hyped for that hyped to find out what's coming down the pipe what the new xbox is going to look like um playstation's not there but you know, PlayStation and Xbox, if you're a gamer and don't know, are having a huge sale that co- coincides with E3. So starting tomorrow, June the 7th through June the 14th, um, they will be having enormous sales. In fact, PlayStation sale has like the entire Uncharted series for like 10 bucks a game. I'm buying them all because I don't own them yet. I'm going to get them digitally. 30 bucks, you can own all five games and you can have them forever. So when the PlayStation 5 comes around, they're they're 4K capable. That's the beauty of them playing them in the remastered versions um same thing for the last last of us remastered it's going to be 10 bucks horizon zero dawn 10 bucks that's an open world game um god of war is going to be like 20 it, there's some amazing amazing deals that they've got <laughs> i haven't seen the xbox ones yet um so there that's something to keep in mind and i wanted to also ask you about this so announced today is this thing called the google stradia it's not the announcement wasn't today, but they kind of came up with more information about the Google Stradia. The Google Stradia or Stradia is Google's entry into the gaming space. And 
I don't know if you know anything about this. Oh, my phone is talking to me now because I said the word Google. Stop, 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 stop. Sorry. I have a pixel and it just heard me say Google and it, <laughs> it started recording my voice and searching. Anyway, I digress. So Google's entering the gaming space, Patrick, and what they are doing is mind blowing to me. Literally, I don't understand how this could work. Essentially what they're doing, and I even beta tested this for them. What they're doing is they have all of these servers somewhere and they are running the best quality PCs possible. Enormous amounts of RAM, huge teraflop power processing, and a bunch of high-end AAA games. And what they're doing is they're going to have like a monthly service. It's like 10 bucks a month or something. And they have their own controller, but you can use any USB-capable controller. And what it is is your controller connects via Wi-Fi to their servers directly, and then they stream the content to any device you have. It can be your TV. It could be any device that runs a Chrome browser. And it can also be the Google Pixel phone, which I have. It is a seamless save experience. Nothing is downloaded. It is 100% not user-owned. You don't have anything on your computer. So like my $300 Chromebook, I was playing a 4K version of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the newest game. It, I don't know how it works, but it does. It is incredible. And I could have stopped playing on my Chromebook, picked up my Google Pixel, and started exactly where I left off, seamlessly. And then same thing if I switched to my phone, uh, TV. So it's amazing. I'm tracking it. I'm not really interested in having it yet, personally. It's not my kind of gaming, I don't think. But I just the way the technology is evolving is unreal to me. I think that the the concept has been there for a while online gaming and being able to just tap into a server but i think what google's doing with this seamless transition to other devices it makes me wonder are you at the are you at the mercy of the hardware that you're using no that's so, the point the point is that your hardware does not matter the hardware is only the hardware that matters is on their server side but it all you just have to have a good internet connection there right there yeah so it's your it's your internet connection that's the factor, not necessarily how much RAM you have in your system, which I think is a big deal. Uh, so the, the upside and the downside of that is that always online. So power goes out or you're not close to Wi-Fi, which I know is in our first world world that we live in is usually not an issue. Um, makes sense to, to do that. I, I'd be curious to see what that's like. I will probably not buy into it just because... I don't play games enough to be able to enjoy that, but I think it's a great concept. Yeah, rural areas where Wi-Fi is or internet speeds are not up to par could have issues. Now they say that you only need like 10 or 30 megabits per second to get 4K. I just <laughs> again, like my head explodes when I hear those numbers. Like I think that's crazy, right? Like I have 100 and it's not perfect by any means. I have 100 to 150 sometimes and and that's fiber dedicated fiber line and it's still not perfect so i just can't even fathom how that would work and these rural areas out in the midwest that may not have these high speeds as much yet i'm certainly excited and interested to kind of track it and see where it goes because i think that this is going to change the gaming landscape in a big way xbox is said to be tagging onto this and thinking about doing something similar microsoft is with their own streaming type platform and we're going to find out more next week end and i can't wait and then the last thing before I guess we move on, we'll just tie it back into a movies. Today, tonight, they finally announced a release date 
for my personally long-awaited Uncharted movie that is going to be directed by Dan Trachtenberg, which I am super thrilled about, and is going to be starring Tom Holland. Now, before you freak out, if you weren't aware of this, Tom Holland will be playing a young Nathan Drake, so this is like a prequel, and so he is a really good fit. If you haven't seen him in The Lost City of Z, you should seek that out. Um, His acting, he is very talented. Okay, it goes way beyond what he can do as Spider-Man, but when you think about his ability to wisecrack, I think he will play this role perfectly. And I have the utmost faith in Dan Trachtenberg, who became famous by adapting a video game for fun uh, into a short film, uh, a video game called Portal, which I absolutely love the short film. You can find it on YouTube. Seek it out. It's really great. That ended up propelling him into uh, his chair with uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which we are enormous fans of as well. At one point, he was going to be adapting Why the Last Man. I was sad that that fell through because I think he would have been great at that too. But unfortunately not. This is a great thing, though. I'm super excited. It's coming out December 18th, 2020. So Christmas. I read it's going to come out opposite West Side Story, Spielberg's remake. Go figure. Um, I don't care. I'm watching this. I, don't, I mean, I'll watch them both, I guess. But this is my movie. Like, this, <laughs> this is might, literally... This, this might be one of those rare times when we when we drop a double episode. We may have to. I mean, it's a musical. Like, how could we not? But, right. yeah, not Uncharted. I mean, maybe. Maybe Uncharted's going to be a musical. That'd be interesting. But I'm so excited for this. This is a movie I've wanted for so long. Like I said, it's my favorite narrative series of video games ever. I can't wait. So give me give me a quick piece of information. I have borrowed a an uncharted game and i think it's the first one but it's got a subtitle it's got like a colon you know and then the sub sub drake's fortune yes that's yep. the first one yep would that be a i mean it's the first one so this might be a captain obvious question but would that be a good one to start if i were to play the the uncharted games did you just ask me if the first game would be a good place to start in terms yeah like when i so when I when I was researching the Assassin's Creed games, I didn't buy the first one. I bought Assassin's Creed Black Flag because it was hailed as the best one to date. And you didn't necessarily need the previous entries to get into yeah. it. And I just didn't know. I have Drake's Fortune borrowed from a friend of mine. Didn't know if I needed to seek out a better a better sequel or if that was a good one to start with. So, Patrick, they're all about between 9 and 15 hours long, I'd say. Okay. And that's, you don't have to go for completion. You just follow the linear progression of the story, play them in normal mode, and enjoy the cinematics and the cutscenes and the story for what it is. And just shoot your shoot your way and find treasures along the way. That's what they are. They're treasure hunter games. Okay. Indiana Jones. Okay. Drake's Fortune is the first game. You gotta play them all because the character progression starts right away and the, the narrative, I, I'm not kidding you, like there's a reason it's my favorite of all time. The narrative think of the last of us and the way that the characters are developed in just that one game that's the same thing the same team is making these so okay i could not recommend them enough they're amazing okay well good then i have the first one so it's a good place to start (laughs) it is i think once you play the first one your mind would be blown and i would just giggle because the first one is like one of the worst ones now in comparison to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Like it just gets amazing and better from there. And then the second game is tied for the best in the franchise still. It's, it's just like a tour of force, honestly. Okay. 
but yeah, I would highly recommend. I would, I would be so, so happy if you played them. Like, I would be, it would be through the roof. Well, if I can get through GTA Five, you know, in one piece or multiple pieces, well, you know, whatever it takes, then you have a year and a half to play these games. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) I can, I can, I can pace myself, and you know, my 30 minutes an hour after the podcast every Sunday night, we could, we can make that happen. But I've also got to make time for my baseball. So I've got my. That's true. You got some show going on too. Show going on. And here's the thing, listeners, if you didn't know this about me, because I'm a casual gamer, I will play games seasonally, like you do. I play baseball in the summer. I play my NCAA 2K14, which is the last entry into the uh, EA Sports NCAA thing, which is sad. I wish it would make its comeback, but whatever. Please give us another NCAA college football game. And that's my fall uh, sports lineup. And then recently I I acquired uh, NC, uh, NBA 2K16 or 17. I can't remember. And uh, that's been my – I've been playing that periodically until baseball season started. So now I'm back to taking my guy who I think is currently, yeah, I think he's in the Braves franchise right now. He's still in AAA, but he's a pitcher making his way up the ranks. It's good stuff. I love it. Well, that does it for FF Plus this week. We hope you've enjoyed this installment as much as we have. Coming up in a couple of days, we head to the water park, covering the way, way back with Aaron Hunley. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Aaron, thanks for a great conversation. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Phil, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.